1: Bowman knew the cops were withholding details on the Gladesville slayings. Everyone knew that. The police had revealed three things that were common to both crimes. The victims had been raped, wrapped in black plastic, and then the shutters had come down. Bowman looked towards the creek. It had history, he knew, because his father had taught him. A first fleet party had got out here to the headwaters of the river, eating lorikeets and crow soup with white cockatoo eating kangaroo. They had used the river in April 1788, and now BMK was using it too. The river was what linked Gladesville to the school, the river that wound down from the creek.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Matthew Spencer was a journalist with the Australian newspaper for 20 years. Today, I'm talking with Matthew about his first crime fiction novel, Black River. Matthew Spencer, welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Black River is set very close to home. Much of it's centred on the banks of Sydney's Parramatta River, a river with a bit of a chequered history, both a salubrious residential zone and an industrial drain. Is this the river you're familiar with?
1: My familiarity is from my childhood with my father. We lived out at North Parramatta, but my dad was a keen sailor in that he'd built his own 20-foot boat and he'd moored it at Putney. And a big day out was to get to the Gladesville Bridge and turn around and come home. Um, And everything was just done under sail. So I spent a lot of time in that area of the river when I was younger.
0: Your book, Black River, has a palpable local flavour, both in the setting and in its characters. What's the value in placing a crime in a very familiar, almost ordinary setting?
1: Well, I think as a debut author, the reason I did it, and I I think and I hope that the advantage to me and to the reader was that because I knew the place so well as my childhood home and where I lived for for 15 years, uh, I didn't have to imagine too much. And so in a novel like this, you're moving a lot of people around, even just in and out of rooms, but also across town. And I found if I could follow it in my mind's eye in, from reality, it, it helped me a bit. And I imagine in the next book or the one after that um, I probably will have the confidence not to worry too much about that and be able to put it in either spots that I imagine or places that I don't know so well.
0: Crime fiction is as much about the characters and the setting as it is about the crime which came first for you in the writing of Black River?
1: Uh, the crime. And Black River took three years and went through a lot of drafting, so probably a dozen drafts. And the way that it happened was I got a first draft out which, which had the crime in it, and then I went back and re- a lot of redrafting was trying to flesh out Uh, characters and give them some backstory and I didn't really know how to do that and no one actually tells you you can work with an editor who says look this character's a bit one-dimensional but she won't tell you how to fix it but definitely the the crime and the and the basic plot came first and then characters were were things I
0: worked on. Was the Parramatta River always there?
1: The Parramatta River was always there but even that evolved as we went on in early drafts uh the moon played a larger role in the story Uh, and then i i I was lucky enough to work with a professional editor from about draft two and we decided that actually let's have less moon and and work more on on the river it's maybe a little bit more um it, it hasn't been done before
0: and I guess that's why you allude to or the killer is named as the BMK, the Blue Moon Killer.
1: The cops don't call him that. That's a
0: tabloid
1: uh, newspaper um, invention because he, he's killed twice before the book opens and once had been on a blue moon and the cops weren't releasing much information to the media so the media you know, filled the vacuum themselves and, and gave him this, this label moon killer so that which they could then shorten to bmk for their
0: headlines and I think we'll talk about that relationship between the police and journalism a little bit later but I want to talk first about adam Bowman he's the central character almost an anti-hero kind of unexceptional second string journalist for the national newspaper I mean the guy wears a sarong after work I mean what's that all about how do you make the apparently unexceptional work in a character like adam Bowman what I didn't
1: want was to be writing, you know, propaganda for yourself and, and to say to everyone, well, this is what, this is how I see myself. I know you don't see me like this, but, as, and so I didn't want the hero crime cracking uh, journalist because in reality, journalists don't really crack crimes. They report on them. They probably commit them, but they don't tend to solve them. I wanted him, I suppose, to be real, to be vulnerable, even if he's not letting the people around him know that or even thinking it himself. And I wanted something in his past that uh, was disturbing and probably linked to the setting where the where the book um, takes place. They're all sort of tropes, I suppose, of the genre. But I think that adds a little bit of depth and complexity to the story and you can just be alluded at to begin with it i think it is nice if those things are resolved for the reader but they can be revealed slowly and, and also that sort of thing can be used um, as a plot device
0: another thing which strikes me is the voices of your characters are very distinctive um rose riley steve o'neill wayne Farquhar, and then on to Benny Diamond, who's the lead journalist, and Brandy Alexander, Bowman's editor, their names, their physical appearance, attitudes, speech patterns suggest a kind of social or professional order. Is that the journalist in you coming through or just the astute observer or both?
1: Uh, maybe a little bit of both. I think, uh, I worked at the Australian for 20 years, uh, the broadsheet newspaper, national broadsheet newspaper in Sydney, and the national is in some way based on that. I mean, it's a caricature of it. Um, but it's certainly the starting point. I started there as a, as a copy kid, uh, and it was a hierarchical place. I didn't think of it the way you're, you're speaking about it with the characters, but perhaps uh, that's one reason that that came through. Certainly Bowman is lower down in the hierarchy there and there's an editor who's sitting on top and then a, a sort of more successful journalist who's, who sits above Bowman and doesn't really um, even acknowledge him. Uh, that sort of thing would go on all the time in newspapers. And then in the cops, I wanted the relationship between O'Neill, the the male boss, and his underling uh, Riley, a female detective sergeant, to be not too hierarchical in that um, he respected her and vice versa. And he also knew that if they were going to solve this case, that people needed to be free to to follow their instincts and speak their minds. So in a way, perhaps the cops are less hierarchical than than the media.
0: I liked Rose Riley, especially when she says, passion, piss or money, and drugs as a subclause between piss and money, which she identifies as the murder trinity. I did a lot of research speaking to police
1: officers for the book, and that was a phrase given to me by a policeman from WA, actually, passion piss or money in homicide, if you're looking for who did it, it's going to be one of those three things. And when Riley says it, it's almost that there's a there's a sort of a theme in the book of of police or of O'Neill not liking to get stuck in ruts in thinking or in in looking at at suspects. And, you know, they refer to them as dead ends or or wombat holes, and they're easy to go down. A whole investigation can go down them and get and get caught in them and waste a lot of time, or in fact even fail. Uh, and that passion, piss, or money is it doesn't reoccur, but it is also seen as well, we've got nothing to go on. What are we going to do? And then they fall back on this sort of cliched old old thinking. When Riley says that, it's um, it's more ironic that when she raises it.
0: If I had to place Black River into a genre, I'd probably put it into police procedural. Now, knowing about police procedure is one thing, but what does it take to convert a procedure into the thriller that is Black River?
1: Well, I've only done it once. I can sort of talk about how it worked for me, which was to do quite a lot of research, to speak to a lot of police, to go back to them as the plot evolved, but then to almost set it aside and it, what might happen in this situation or, or what they told me might happen in this situation sort of gave me the confidence to then go on and make it up. And I think you want it to, what you're looking for is, rea- is it to feel and sound realistic to you and me who aren't police officers. Um, And not to worry about the holes that would, would be there. You, I don't think you actually want to be describing in a thriller, you know, what a detective sergeant in homicide actually does all morning, because I'm not sure the readers would thank you for it. So I think it it does help to do that research and, and to, and to get some insights, but I think you have to wear it quite lightly and, really uh, your responsibility is to your readers not to not to getting police procedure
0: right. If I can take it back to something we mentioned before. It's this the difference between the way a crime is reported and the actual police investigation. They're two different things and that's a kind of uneasy relationship I gather and it comes through pretty strongly in Black River. How does that relationship between police and journalists, feed into the story of Black River?
1: Police will use journalists and, and vice versa. Uh, they do hold back information in a case like this for strategic reasons. Um, they will release tidbits to the media if it suits them. So that was, that's the, the core element, I think, of the relationship between Bowman and Riley no and O'Neill. They... Each each party knows they're using the other and they're relaxed about that. They do try to look after each other because they know it's a symbiotic relationship and Bowman sort of gets wind of things that they don't want released and and he has the capacity to write them, but he tends not to because he knows if he does, they'll cut him off and then he's on his own. There's some, I think, nobility in what police officers like O'Neill and Riley do, and they do also, I mean, they're basically trying to solve the crime and bring justice to the victim, uh, but they they see that Bowman's coming along for the ride, so in the end they they learn to trust him and they also learn that in the end to do what they say they'll do, which is give him the story and information before everyone else as, as things uh, unfold. And, and they're true to that that promise.
0: I wanted to ask you about Australian genres of uh, crime fiction. We already have what's called or has been labelled drought noir or desert noir. Are Australian authors building a kind of Sydney noir? No, I think things
1: happen in cycles. So if you look at sort of Cliff Hardy, we've we've almost had Sydney noir in the eighties. Um, Peter Temple did a a Melbourne noir with with truth. Um, and then I haven't read them, but uh, that series of, of of books with his sort of private investigator—I think a lot of that was set in Melbourne. So I think uh, a lot of it has has happened before. Um, then, of course, if you speak to publishers, uh, they think that the arrival of Jane Harper and the Dry was a was a watershed moment, and it, it probably was. Uh, and they feel things changed. And I suppose that's the beginning of, of your drought noir or dingo noir, as I've heard it described. Uh, but then, you know, you could talk to other um, other people like Gary Disher, who they were, they were doing it 15 years before. So I don't know. I think it's all just it's it's cycles and fashions. I my agent always thought Black River was a What she liked about it was that it was a Sydney book. But actually, uh, Tom Gilead at Alan and Unwin, who bought the book, um, thinks not so much. He thinks that if you read Black River in Melbourne, you've got your river, the type of school and the suburbs in Melbourne, and you've got them in Adelaide, and you've got them in Perth, and you've got them in Brisbane. They've all got rivers, suburbs, and these sort of elite, big, private Boarding schools, which are just part of Australia's history. Um, so he, he wouldn't categorise it, I don't think, not wanting to put words into his mouth, as, as a signal. As a but for people who live here and in, in these sort of deeply unfashionable Western suburbs, um, hopefully they're going to get some sort of thrill of, of recognition out of it. You know, I don't think too many uh, crime books have been set in Carlingford and North Rocks.
0: So, do you think we have a, enough dodgy characters, corrupt politicians, hard nosed police officers on which to build a Sydney noir or what you might be referring to an Australian noir?
1: I think, I think we do. I mean, you just read the headlines and, and you see it. And it even, um, I mean, Sydney's a corrupt town, it always has been. And I think it probably still is, but it's more at that local government level around land and development that, that it occurs. So plenty for you to draw on for your next next few novels? I think so. So I'm writing number two, which is not a sequel, but it's hopefully will become a series. I'm not sure how many books I have in me, but um, number two at the moment is continuing, and it's Rose Riley and uh, her more junior detective, um, Priya Patel, and their... Uh, They're in Cessnock at the moment, so we'll see where all that
0: leads. Matthew Spencer, thank you for joining me on the Good Reading Podcast. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for having me. I've been talking to Matthew Spencer about his new book, Black River. It's published by Alan and Unwin, and you can find it at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. My name's Greg Dobbs, and thanks for listening. Subscribe to Good Reading Print and Online Magazine at goodreadingmagazine.com.au.